What's up and welcome to Rant and Rave Wrestling episode 52. That's right, baby. One year for your boys here at Rant and Rave. Speaking of the boys, and no, I don't mean last night's amazing finale. I'm your host, the double R superstar, Roy the Roy Rowe. I'm joined by the professional, Blake Short. Chris Jericho was camera four. And the unprofessional, Greg Overson. Don't leave the house without me. Today we discuss awful tag teams and Chris Jericho's 30 years in wrestling, all leading to our main event, the R&R Battle Royale featuring Raw, Dynamite, NXT, and SmackDown Live. But before we talk wrestling, let's talk about our weeks and what we've been up to. Is there anybody that wants to volunteer for first this week? I'll go first because as usual, my week is never really eventful. Um, the, the two things that stand out the most is Madden's The Yard. I am addicted to that now. Last night, I must have played about five rounds of head-to-head and didn't lose a single one. Three out of the five people quit because I had two interceptions and went up by like 24 points. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Blake, when we play, I think I should be quarterback. Uh, my quarterback rating is getting up there. Uh, the other thing that stands out to me is, again, another video game. I've found, uh, a, I wouldn't say a newfound love. I would say another push to play Call of Duty. Um, cause Warzone got annoying. Um, I don't know why it's such trash right now. Um, and I usually hate multiplayer, but I've been playing a lot of search and destroy with some buddies and I'm having a lot of fun with it. It reminds me of being back in the old Xbox days where we just trash talk everybody and it's so much fun. Uh, three things that I've noticed is everybody thinks that the other people sound like they're 40 years old for some reason. Everyone's a virgin and everyone sounds fat. And to this day, I still want to know what fat sounds like. Well, I wasn't planning on telling this story, but now that Greg brought up the yard, I'm going to tell our listeners a little story of what Greg did to me and his team because we played teams on the yard a few nights ago. And for anyone who's familiar with football, we were up by four points and they give you three drives each. Well, we happen to have the final drive, Roy, which means that we can't lose, right? There's only one way. There's only one way for us to lose. And that's if we throw an interception and they return it for a touchdown. So Greg and I, while we're playing, I tell him on this final drive, we need to be careful. Don't make any mistakes because if they return an interception for a touchdown, it's the only way we can lose. It's fourth down, Roy. All we have to do is nothing. We can literally, we can be sacked. We can run out of bounds. There's so many things we could do to not lose this game. Greg throws an interception for a touchdown. Okay, so first off, Blake Blake can attest to this. The mechanics are still flawed. So there's different ways to throw passes. One, you can lob a pass by just tapping the button. You can throw a bullet pass by holding it in. Different things. And if you lob it, it'll come up at the bottom and say that it was a perfect lob pass, but it'll bullet pass it. Or vice versa. It'll say it's a perfect uh, bullet pass, but it'll lob it. That's what happened. I hit a bullet pass because the guy was wide open. It lobs it, giving the defender enough time to get over there and intercept the ball. Blake Blake has been quarterback, too, and he's he's seen this happen. I, I rarely see Blake rage on a video game. He was like, I got to get off. This is starting to piss me off with this shit. That was the first time. Like he wasn't cussing. He wasn't getting like rage, rage. But it was more than what Blake. You, Blake, here it goes. Blake usually does. 
So I will say, I don't think it was fully my fault, but I definitely did throw that interception and lose the game. Roy, I was so defeated. <laughs> I wasn't upset. I wasn't angry. I was just defeated. I feel it you, was man. the one thing I said we cannot the do. The only thing. And as he threw that ball, I just, without saying it, in my head, I'm thinking, no! It was slow motion. I just watched it go all the way through, and I could not believe my eyes. To tell you a little bit about the rest of my week, I got my car back, so that was a plus. It's been a good week. It's so great to have my car back. I've spent the whole week listening to SiriusXM Turbo because they have Linkin Park Radio on this week, and they're celebrating the 20-year Hybrid Theory box set. It is fantastic. I love Linkin Park. That's my favorite band. And what they've done with this celebratory radio set is basically they're playing demos. Obviously they're playing the hits and they're playing a lot of live songs from concerts. It's just been really great. And I've been enjoying it all week. The final thing that I have for you guys is I watched remember the Titans the other night and I can't can I, think, can I, can I interrupt you and just tell you, which maybe, maybe only, I don't know. I don't know which of you will know this, but that is, that's that's in my top five favorite movies. Even with not being a sports fan, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. That's great, because I was actually going to, if you had not watched it, I was going to recommend it, because I wasn't sure if you had, because it's a football movie, and Roy's really one of the only ones out of the friends who, he's slowly getting into it now, but when we first started watching, he's probably like wrestling, or wrestling, football is stupid, yeah. I don't I don't understand it. He's been He's been watching a little bit more now recently, so I was going to say, you need to watch that. And the reason I say this is a good movie right now is I love how it, it pretty much showcases what we're going through right now. Uh, this movie's based in the 70s, and there's a lot of racial tension, white and black, and they come together for one cause. And I love that because right now we're like, dealing... It's because they come together for football that you like. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. Okay. That's great. That's what brought me into the movie was okay. football. Fair enough. But watching that movie now with everything going on... It, it definitely could set a tone for some people to rewatch something like that because right now there's a lot of separation, whether it's race, politic, you name it. There's always a way where we're branched into two separate entities. And I, I never really have understood that. Actually, I'm one of those people that probably plays both sides way too much because I can never pick a side. And watching that movie, just I kind of reflected and was just like, man, this is something that would be really important for people to see right now because we're at the peak of racial tension, honestly. Now, a lot of their names escape me because it has been a while since I watched it, but what were your, what are, what are your, some of your favorite characters I'm interested in since uh, it's not very often that a movie like this will have in common? I can tell you still to this day, anytime that I hear, uh, and I, I don't even know the exact lyrics, Ain't No Valley, basically that song. Every time I hear that, all I see in my head is sunshine passing a ball. That, that montage plays in my head every time I hear that song. So Julius and Gary are definitely my two favorite characters. And Jul- again... That say, ha- the, say the name of the J, Julius. Julius. Julius, he was probably one of my favorites as well. Julius and Gary, and that hammer ho- hammers home the fact of what I enjoy the most about the movie. Again, it's great. It's football, but I, I love what they're really trying to portray with the mm-hmm. whole movie. And I, I'm not going to lie. I am very far from emotional. I couldn't tell you the last time I've cried, which kind of wish I would sometimes, but it seems like I can never really get emotion out of me. But I tear up every time the moment with Gary happens. because really? I, have, I yeah, love that. I, I love have that. such a connection with those two and the way everything went in that movie. Man, it hurts my heart when that, when that moment happens. So those are my favorite characters. 
What about you, Greg? Into that movie at all? I think I've seen it one time. I honestly, I don't remember it. It is definitely something that I've told myself to go back and watch and just keep forgetting to. Um, I would like to, to watch it again because I don't remember much about it because it, it was like a middle school type thing that I watched it and I don't, I don't really remember much about it. All right. That was everything for that you. That was what? everything for me. So bear with me for my week because it's just, it's just going to be a mess. I got a few things that I'm going to accomplish here. First of all, on the, on the gaming side of things, which we, it seems like we, all of us always have at least one gaming thing. Well, my goddamn Switch bricked this week. I no longer have a Nintendo Switch. It's not bothering me a ton because I'm so close to the PlayStation 5. I imagine that's where I'm going to spend most of my time, but that definitely sucks. What happened to it? So I bought a charger off Amazon. I don't know this for a fact. If I had to guess, I think that charger bricked it. It, it died with that plugged in, and it just never turned back on. So I don't know for a fact, but that's my best guess. Um, I want to talk to you guys for a second about motorcycles. Now imagine a world where the only type of bike or anything at all that you've ever seen is a motorcycle, right? Now you see just a regular bike. There's no motor. You may think that's called a cycle because it's a bike without a motor, right? So when I realized that the other day, I was like, well, it's not called that. It's called a bicycle. And I thought to myself, okay, that makes sense because there's different types. You have tricycle, bicycle. And I was like, all right, maybe when you get down to the one wheel, that's a cycle. But that's a unicycle. unicycle. So what the hell is a cycle? <laughs> that's that's one of the things I wanted to ask you guys today. What the hell is a cycle then? I don't understand. I imagine that in this scenario, it's kind of like the family of of those... I can't say bicycles because that's a two-wheel, but you get what I'm saying, right? At some like point along the way, <laughs> we've lost what it meant to be a cycle. And I just have no idea. Maybe that's just the wheel with no seat. Maybe that's what that is. Maybe the seat only refers, maybe like the una. Well, then what is bi? Does bi mean two? It's the two-wheel. Two. Unicycle. No, I know that that's what it is, but does bi mean two? Yes. Bi. So bicycle. That means two Seats? Doesn't make sense. It only has one seat. Does it mean two cycles? Two wheels? Two wheels. Yeah, this doesn't... This It all falls apart. <laughs> Alright, and then the last thing. I rediscovered my love for cereal this week. And with the one-year show that we're recording after this, I've been going back and I've been listening to a lot of the past podcasts. And I noticed a trend that I had where I will take Rant and Raves... I think I've done Retro Rant and Rave, I've done Rant and Retail, and there are some other ones. Well, today we're going to do Rant and Rave Champion of Breakfast. Like I said, this week I've rediscovered my love for cereal. It has been my favorite thing about this week is just eating different cereals. I'm going to read to you guys seven cereals. And one at a time, I want you to tell me Rant or Rave. At the end of these seven cereals, we will crown the first ever Champion of breakfast. Now, what do we do if we never tried these cereals? Then it's going to have to be a rave, a rant. Okay. Now, listen. So, rave is only if you really like the cereal. If you're neutral, or you're eh, you're going to have to give it a rant, okay? Okay. All right. You guys ready? Let's do this. Um, I will say the cereal, then Greg, then Blake. And All we'll, right. We'll shoot right through them. Ready? Reese's Puff. Okay. Can I just tell you a story real quick? Because Reese's... No, seriously. This, okay. This, you ruined this the fits. game. No, this fits. So... I will say, I hate peanut butter. This week, 
I found out that I love Reese's Puffs. I okay. must have had about four bowls this week. <laughs> Kim's pissed off because she likes to eat cereal like dry. Uh-huh. She doesn't like it with milk. She also went to the store the other day and found that they have a snack size pouch of Reese Puff cereals. So she got that. I'm going to give it a rave just because <laughs> I found out I absolutely love that cereal. Rave. All right. Frosted mini wheats. I'm going to go with rave for me. Rant. Cinnamon toast crunch. Absolute rave. Rave. Cinnamon toast crunch. The pops. best. Pops? Yeah. Got to have my pops. That's a rant. Used to be a rave. It's a rant now. Yeah. Fruity Pebbles. That's that's a big rave for me. That's a rave. Cocoa Pebbles. Uh, another rave for me. I'm going to go rant now. Frosted Flakes. That's uh, another rave. I rant. love cereal. Rant. Ladies and gentlemen, your first ever champion of breakfast, Greg Ovison. Wait, what? <laughs> How, I thought we were giving it to a cereal. No, it's you. You. We agree on we, what cereals we like the most. Oh, okay. This wasn't for the cereal. <laughs> I thought it was like the cereal, like the best cereal. Maybe I wasn't clear. <laughs> okay. Very. Well, he's very lost. So yeah, it was. It was whoever agrees with me the most on these cereals. Understood. Reese's Puffs is great. Mini Wheats is great. Cinnamon Toast is great. Pops awful. Fruity Pebbles are great. Uh, Cocoa Pebbles, eh, and fuck Frosted Flakes. Yeah, I feel you. Wait, I feel really? like we just had the same things. Yeah, I feel like I messed up the score at some point yeah. while I was doing it, but I wasn't sure. It was like everything you Can't just said, I agree. Can't take it back. Wow. Yeah. Another Greg, championship that Greg, Greg didn't deserve. He keeps finding a way to squeeze these wins out. Favorite? My favorite probably goes to Frosted Mini Weeks. Oh my God. There's only one right answer, and it's, and it's Cinnamon, Cinnamon Toast, Toast Crunch. Crunch. Yeah, they're one and two. You know my favorite cereal? No. Okay, fine. It's like I do, I do. <laughs> it's actually Frosted Cheerios. Disgusting. Wow. Don't and you gave him this title. It's one of the worst cereals. Wow. No. You gave him this title. Unbelievable. It's one of my favorites. I like a healthy heart. Also, <laughs> Captain Crunch, guys. That's a good one. Captain Crunch is good. Frosted Cheerios, not Cheerios. I understand what you said. Frosted, Frosted shit is still shit. That's a no for me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Captain Crunch Crunch Berries is the best crunch. Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch Crunch Berries is the best Captain Crunch? Yes. Yes, I agree with that. Is that the one that is... No, no, no. That's just the berries. That's the one with the berries. Because <laughs> there was, 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 was... That's what I was thinking of. Oops, all berries. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about TakeOver a little bit. Uh, I'll start off. This pay-per-view, the main thing that I want to highlight, and Blake and I feel very similarly about where, where the pay-per-view ranks. So I'll let him go over that. Something I want to highlight is that I thought the pacing for the pay-per-view was absolutely superb. I felt like everything that happened and the type of results, you know, all that sort of stuff, everything was placed exactly where I would have placed it and where I thought it should go. That was that was one of the biggest takeaways for me. And then, Greg, I think you hated it, I believe. I didn't hate it. It just didn't stand out. Um, definitely, I mean, Blake says it every time an NXT pay-per-view happens. We've seen better takeovers. Um I just I don't think it was up to par with with other takeovers. It's very fair. What about you, Blake? What's your review? Wrestling was on par, which we expected going in. Actually, better than on par. It was really good. They gave us some really good matches with these 
with these wrestlers. The problem was you just went in not really feeling anything for the feuds. That was really the only disconnect I had with this takeover in general was just I came in and I didn't have anything. I didn't feel for one wrestler or the other. I didn't really care as much as I should have. I just don't think they gave the feuds enough time to really build. But the women who were showcased on this night and and added back into the mix with Tony Storm and with Ember Moon. I'm very excited about that. I had no idea that that was Ember Moon. So this is one case of me being excited for a video package and a debut or a return. And it worked in my favor. So overall, I'd give it about a three and a half out of five. I actually, and I went a little bit higher. I gave it four out of five. I did feel like all of the, all of the wrestling was great. The matches delivered. There was nothing disappointing. Just from the beginning, there was nothing for me to really sink my teeth to and invest in. So it was missing a bit of an emotional attachment to the pay-per-view. Other than that, I, I walk away with four out of five. Let's let's discuss what I know was probably the favorite out of Greg and I, at least come in, O'Reilly and Finn. I, I want to bring something up about that match that may have swayed me moving forward. They went with a, a slower tone and a slower pace, and it usually doesn't work for me. And basically what they were trying to showcase was the injury to the liver for O'Reilly and then the injury to the jaw for Finn, which I don't even know if that was legitimate or not. They're saying that it was. I don't know if you guys know for sure. That'd be in, that I'm the interested to know if saw, it was legitimate. The only thing I saw was a report, and the wording said that they're playing it up, which suggests that there was an injury. I just don't know what. just wasn't as much as what they're saying. Okay. And... I, I'm not usually a fan of the slow pace, ah, I have an injury, let's go after it the whole match type of type of deal. But I felt like they actually did a pretty good job here. And I'm, I was just curious to see what you guys thought about it. I enjoyed the match. I don't know that it would have made, no, it would probably make top three, very bottom of the three. I did enjoy the match. I'm somebody who does not like that style either. I'm way too critical on it. As soon as somebody... As soon as it's clear that that's the direction they're doing, all I can do the rest of the match is look at the injured tendon or limb, whatever it is, and just constantly point out why why doesn't it hurt there? Why isn't he grimacing here? Is this just because of adrenaline? Like, I'm constantly watching that. And I felt like they took good care to protect those spots in this match. There wasn't a ton of areas where I was like, that should have hurt you. Pretty much every time that was the situation, it did look like it was painful for them to do something. What about you, Greg? So... You guys pretty much touched on it. I'm, I'm again, like you guys, I don't like when they single out a specific limb, whatever the case. I felt like with this match, it was a good way to get that first title defense, but also protect Kyle. I think Kyle is somebody they're going to be behind as far as a singles push. Um, I, I, I did want him to win. Just because I was getting behind him with the, like, the storyline is probably the only storyline that we were getting, as, as short as it may have been, that I was invested in. Um, but I think we do get a singles push out of him, and he he honestly may even be champion one day. Um, I can see that definitely happening. They seem to really like him. Um, I, I enjoyed the match. You know, I, I did. And like I said, mainly the biggest thing is I feel like they protected both guys in this one. Let's talk about Kushida for a second. Oh, my God. He was one of my favorites of the night. Probably the most standout for me of the night. The one that I took the most notice of. And they were showing those. They were showing the clips where they had first signed Kushida. And they're standing up on stage. They're doing the pictures with Triple H and everything. 
And I was looking at Kushida and he's so humble and he's polite to everybody. And I was, I was thinking to myself, I know that he's a great wrestler. It's crazy that, you know, they didn't really capitalize on that. I was like, he's so polite and he's just happy to be there. And I feel like that, that type of person gets taken advantage of sometimes. If he was up there on stage saying, yeah, y'all signed the absolute best. You got the number one right here. They, it would be dominating headlines. The, the push would be there and everything. And so when they specifically, oh man, and I wish I had wrote it down. I believe they said something of, they take my humility as weakness. And I'm like, yes, 100% Kushida, 100%. And so I loved the change in attitude. It was one that made a ton of sense. It was very organic. And I thought he looked great. I think Kushida is definitely becoming, I enjoy watching him every week now, um, just because of the newfound attitude. Um, not going to touch on it too much right now, but um, I, dude, I loved watching him just be shot of Dream. <laughs> I'm just done with Dream. I, I think the three of us are done with Dream. We've we've soured on him. <clears throat> so to see a heel turn from Kushida and him just relentless on the attack was actually a positive for me. And I, Kushida turned into somebody that I didn't have a lot of feelings for, and now maybe he's that next set of guys who can come up for NXT and and make me want to watch. And then, lastly, the for me one of the one of the things in my number one of the night is the cruiserweight championship match. You already you guys already know that I love both of the competitors going into it. Um, I thought this was another case of the pacing being great because we had the interference, which sometimes can kind of make you it's it, it can get a little tiresome. But he also went out there and proved that he has like another level in him, which I love so much because it gets you more excited for the future. Usually this type of character, once you get past uh once you get past the guys at ringside, you you got a clear win. Now you really gotta dig deep to beat this guy. What did you guys think? So I've said it before with this, this is just one of those matches we've seen multiple times regardless of the variation of it. To me, this this feud it seems like the 50-50 booking. It's like they're trying to protect both guys, but in the end, it makes them both look bad in my eyes. I enjoyed the match. I, I thought the match was very good. I didn't really care who won, so I wasn't that invested in it, and I still don't care who won. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying the match was bad. I just it didn't do anything for me, really. So this match is actually a highlight for me, and it was basically because of our predictions, and it's what makes this so much fun when we when we compete against each other yeah. for the predictions. Because I had picked Swerve for this match, while you two had picked, uh, and I can't think of his name right now Escobar. off the top of my head. Yeah, Escobar. I wanted to call him Phantasma, but that's obviously not accurate anymore. And I I thought I had it in the bag, man. Swerve was looking good, and we were hitting some spots in the match where. It was starting to look like oh Swerve God, was going to yeah. overcome. And I knew if I won this match with Swerve that I was predictions champion. So I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, come on, Swerve. you got to pull through, man. And I also, I had I had some real some real motion for Swerve in the beginning. I liked him a lot, and I wanted to see him go somewhere. And I felt like this was the last chance for me to get it. He didn't come through. It was a little disappointing, but it was a fantastic match. And the predictions really added to it for me. All right, PW Insider notes that while WWE has stopped and started the Andrade slash Angel Garza breakup, the two are finally done for good going forward. We've been three of their biggest critics with this entire project. 
I personally am very happy to hear that we may be at the end of it all, but it did get me thinking, what a rare situation here where I actually am dying for a team to split up. Can you guys think of any other time that you were rooting for the demise of a tag team? So I'll go first here. I have three that come to mind. Two, maybe not fair because I just didn't like the name and the, the pairing just didn't seem right to me. Um, the other one, I think we all kind of, for the same reason, wanted to see it happen. That one's going to be Harper and Rowan. We kind of both, or most of us, wanted to see a singles run from them to see see how they were. And it just felt like when they did the Bludgeon Brothers and everything, it was kind of a forced tag team. Um, it didn't help that Rowan kept getting hurt. Um, but for me, I wanted to see a singles run out of the, both of them. Unfortunately, WWE screwed that up when it did happen. Uh, the other two, it's it's simply because of the names and who was in it. So one of them that comes to mind is Slater Gator. He's Slater and Titus O'Neil. That was like the most random pairing, and that name sucks. The second one, the name sucks, Rybaxel. Okay, Ryback and Curtis Axel. The name is not creative at all to me. I forgot about both of those. And, and neither one of the like they, it's because they never stood out to me. The only reason they stood out is because I hated the names. What about you, Lake? So I've got a, I've got two on here. So if you want to go ahead and save me for last, okay. Uh, mine's pretty short, sweet, simple, and it, it's I think it'll get a chuckle out of Blake. The team that I was praying to break up was the Hype Bros. I could not stand Mojo Raleigh. I forgot about that. There is a point, like I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you. So there are a lot of wrestlers that I quote unquote dislike or hate that I don't really feel that way about. Um, we've joked about it with like Kevin Owens. Um, what are some other good examples? Bianca Belair. You know, people that I can at least respect, but it's fun to dislike them. I actually. He would Mojo Raleigh would make my skin crawl. I could not buy into him as a character. He, I don't get hype. I stay hype. Okay, great. But I picture him at home brushing his teeth. I stay hype. Well, he had to have gotten hype at least once. Listen, but he stays hype. <laughs> so like all day long, can you picture him at like Thanksgiving, like eating the turkey? He's like, yeah, I stay hype. Picture to, him at a funeral, Greg. Yeah, just to don't picture work. him out. He's a pole bear. <laughs> In the context of wrestling, sure, you come up on the ramp, you do your stupid little thing, and it works. But when I start picturing what your life looks like <laughs> as this gimmick, there's no way that you really live this. And if you do, you're annoying as hell. I could not stand Mojo Raleigh. Perfect. I've got two, and I'm glad they both survived. I'm going to start, and I had different reasons for both of them. I'm going to start with the one I hated the most, and that was Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose were tag team champions, and I believe Dean got injured. And a month or two later, Jason Jordan ends up being Seth's tag team partner. I was so mad about this. There were a few reasons why. One, it was a stupid tag team. Two, Jason Jordan was clearly not Kurt Angle's son. And we knew this. They picked picked the wrong one. Thanks for ruining that. It should have been Chad Gable. That was Kurt Angle's son. And speaking of Chad Gable, he's another big reason why I hated this. Because they broke up Chad Gable and Jason Jordan, which was one of my favorite tag teams in NXT, American Alpha. They broke them up and then threw Jason Jordan in a tag team with Seth Rollins. And I was so pissed about this. So, Blake, and put it's, Gable in a Space Jam outfit. Ironically, I swear I was thinking about this the other day. This, The entire angle. 
And I remember how disappointed everybody that it was that it wasn't Chad. And honestly, I realized this is one that I don't hold against WWE. Because if you put me in the exact same position that they were at that time, where you're you're building this thing that, you know, he has an Ill- he has a son somewhere on the roster. First of all, everybody's expectation was already Chad Gable. If anybody had came to me and said, Roy, what if we swerve and it's Jason? I would have done it, no hesitation. So I don't even blame them for that one at the end of it. All right, my other tag team is going to be Aleister Black and Ricochet. These two have never recovered from this. (laughs) Uh, Look at where these two are now. When they started off, they put them together in a tag team when they called them up, and they were doing pretty well. But we knew there was probably nothing that was ever going to come out of it with those two as a tag team. They separated them, and they have been they've been toast ever since. See, I I enjoyed them as a tag team when they came up. I, I really did. I, I did too. To be champions. The they, reason they being, really good. I felt like this was this but is they what never would happen. That trigger. Yeah. And they tried to give them singles runs, and, and like you said, it didn't work. Uh, Alistair got injured, and. Ricochet just lost it for most of us. Like It just wasn't fun watching him anymore. Ricochet was on main event at one point, yeah. and Alistair was waiting on people to knock on his door. At one point, who did I forget who Ricochet lost to, but he, he, he should have never taken the loss, and we were like, yeah, he's done. He just pushes over. I believe that was Riddick Moss. It may, it may have been. Yeah. All right, guys. Up next, we're going to talk about Chris Jericho. Once again, needing to be the center of attention as we celebrate one year of the R&R podcast, what does Chris Jericho do? He goes out and celebrates a 30-year career. Let's rant and rave just a little bit on one of the greatest of all time, Chris Jericho. And the way I want to start this off is I want to ask you guys, what is your least favorite iteration of Chris Jericho? Because that's one of the things that is probably the key thing that has kept him relevant. It's one of the biggest selling points of Chris Jericho is the ability to continue to reinvent himself. Can I go first on this one? Oh, absolutely. So I'm going to start with rant for Chris Jericho here as we were talking about this. And my biggest rant for Chris Jericho is the moment he returned. I, I can't remember what year it was. And he would act as if he was about to speak on the mic. And he would not speak. And all I wanted to do was hear Chris Jericho, who's one of the best on the mic. The only thing he would go is, yeah, baby. And he'd get ready to speak and he would drop the mic. Yeah, he Hurt me so bad. I wanted to hear Jericho. That is always going to be my number one rant for Chris Jericho. That was infuriating. It's hard to think for me to be honest. Wait, but what is your? What was your least favorite? Is that your least favorite iteration? That's of my least favorite because iteration. Turned, okay, because it literally worked. I was upset that he would not speak on the bike. It's. I'm going to be honest. Early Chris Jericho, I never really followed. I never really. I didn't realize he was going to be as big as he became to be, you know, I started watching him in WCW, um, but I didn't think it was going to go as far as it did. I was excited to see when he came into WWE as Y2J. If I'm being honest, I probably have to agree with Blake. That was the most annoying thing I've seen Jericho do. I, I, again, like Blake, I was excited when he returned. Um, I remember the moment, like he, no one knew it was happening, and you just see the lights go out, and you just see his jacket glow, and you're like, oh, shit. He comes down, and nothing. And then it happened like four weeks in a row, and I just got annoyed by it. Everything else I think Jericho was pretty much flawless in. Like, he he is great at what he does. It's hard to rant about the goat. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my, my least favorite iteration of Chris Jericho was the one where he started wearing the suit. 
He always like puckered his lips up. He had the weird side like his shoulders would go left and right as he strut. Always wearing a nice suit, big words, and he talked so slow intentionally, and he just drove me absolutely nuts. This was around. I wasn't watching at this point. Okay. Yeah. Eventually, he uh, he ended up partnering up with Big Show, mm-hmm. and they ended up winning me over as Jarrett Show. Jarrett Show, yeah. As, and mainly because of their theme song, which is one of the best theme songs to date, still. Um, from here, yeah, I guess it's just another open mic discussion. We'll talk about some of our favorite, least favorite Chris Jericho moments. I'm gonna get started with one of the most obvious ones, and it's gonna be the Festival of Friendship. Which was just an absolute pinnacle of storytelling. It was something that was so incredible watching. It was emotional watching. I don't know why in that moment I didn't see the turn coming. We all knew that it was coming at some point. But I don't know. The way they presented this, it just I wasn't ready for it. He holds up the list and everything. It was just, it was magic. The whole thing was magic. And in some ways I remember that in a negative light because... We know what ended up happening. This was the feud that our group of friends was the most invested in. We wanted this to be for the main championship. It was already on Kevin Owens. It made sense. Uh, the rest is history. We we did not enjoy the route that it took, but also... Fuck you, Goldberg. It also ends up being such a positive memory because we know from listening to his podcast that this was really such a, a launching point for Jericho where he was just like, man, I am done with this. And he kind of echoes some of the same things that we felt. Festival of Friendship is one of the rare, very rare moments where I was absolutely heartbroken in wrestling. Yet I knew it was coming. And I was still so heartbroken to see it happen. And it is actually one of my favorite moments in wrestling, period. I, I mean, I have to agree with you guys. You, it, it's hard not to have that as a great moment in wrestling. But some other Jericho stuff, look... I don't understand how this man went from Lissa Jericho and the fantastic stories that he had with that to where he is now. It amazes me that someone is able to reinvigorate a character so many times and be that damn good. I think that's what makes Jericho special to me is that you can give him just about anything and he makes it work and not only makes it work, but makes it fantastic. And for me, it's hard not to think that Jericho is behind himself for everything. And that's even that that's even more so speaking out to me because how many we all know how WWE created this. We know how many times a wrestler has walked into that that office, pitched something, and been told how stupid they are. Then we hear about what was pitched and go, that would have been amazing. How many times has Chris Jericho had to go in there? And he's just been approved for these different things. And they've worked every single time. Then, like you said, now he's in AEW. He's got 100% free range on his character. And I'm pretty sure he's he's got a lot of, you know, his hands in the pot for other characters. I don't... If you had asked me 10 years ago, do I think Jericho would be around today? I'd have said no. I'd have thought he'd retired. It had been done. It had been over with. We'd have that one off like a legend where he'd come here and there. When this guy is is wrestling matches pretty much on the regular, it baffles me that he's still that good. He's like, what, 48, 49, something like that? His character is, is insane. It's like a fine wine. It seems to get better with age. You know, it's he, like a bottle of bubbly. <laughs> there you go. It, it's amazing to me that 
you know, for the first, I'd say like 10 years of Jericho, 15 years of Jericho, I would have never thought he'd be where he is now. That's not to say he wasn't good back then, but I, for one, he was surrounded by a lot of stars early on, on both WCW and WWF back in the day. So it was hard to really separate yourself from the pack, but his character work wasn't nowhere near where it is today. And he just continues to get better and better. Um, I don't know. I just, I disagree a little bit. I think. When you think about the Chris Jericho around the feud with like Triple H and Stephanie and that kind of stuff, because um, I remember, was it 18, 17, 18, or 19 is like your favorite one for WrestleMania, right? 17, yeah. And it literally the next year, and right around that time, Jericho was doing great. You don't feel like that kind of stuff back then holds up? How long it? ago was that? That was about that 15 year mark, wasn't it? I'm trying to, th- now I'm, now I'm starting to reel back. What year was that? It was probably what, 01, 02? I have no idea. So yeah, so, I thought you were saying that you know the Jericho now. You never thought that he would be quite that good. The first like ten years, like WCW and early WWF oh, okay. Jericho. You, I no, you. I think you're right at that same mark. I am where it started to turn a little bit. But those first ten years or so, I would never have thought he'd be where he is now. Thirty years, even honestly, I and that's not to discredit anything that he did then because I think he was really good. But even then, I don't think I would have. I would have said, "Yeah, this guy's going to be around in 2020, doing what he is now." So WrestleMania 18, maybe my fir- my favorite WrestleMania, Chris Jericho versus Triple H. That feud was one of the big launching points. No for me. bias there whatsoever, huh? <laughs> for me to pay attention, <laughs> and you know, I really I love Jericho throughout this, despite my love for Triple H and Stephanie. The the constant taunts at Stephanie. I just I thought Jericho was fantastic. Um, at one point, I think he ran over Triple H's dog. I don't know. Him and Stephanie together, especially, was fantastic. Another another one for me is the Money in the Bank promo where they're standing on top of the ladders. And I, I think it comes up about winning Money in the Bank. And he claims that he won one. And they say, when? When have you? Where did, where did you win? Apple. He says, Apple. <laughs> and I believe Sammy Sane goes, Apple. Did you say Apple? <laughs> Jericho says, Appleton. Appleton. <laughs> Big Apple. Okay, that that was that was huge. Oh, I forgot about that. that I was remember so great. that as being like one of the the tent pole moments where us as a group really took a lot more notice of Chris Jericho, and he kind of started. He just trend upwards from there. Well, Col- Colby's favorite, our buddy Colby, is Jericho, and I think that was the moment where it really started, if I recall correctly. But if you ask this guy any trivia questions about Jericho, he will get it one hundred percent wrong. <laughs> Any other Chris Jericho memories you guys want to share? Nah, that, that about covers it for all me. He's awesome. It, it doesn't matter what the feud is. It could be a character that we absolutely don't give a shit about that he's going against, and we will absolutely be behind the feud. It, it's amazing. Look at look at what he's done for for Cassidy. Like he he's at a point in his career where he's fine with putting people over, but he still makes it believable that he's going to just beat this person's ass. I will say, I, I saw that they were supposed to do Tyson and Jericho, and it didn't happen. I would love yeah, to see great. Tyson oh, yeah. and Jericho somehow happen in the future, because I think they'll I think they'll still come back to that. Yeah, I hope so because that's a money making feud right there. I I think that it probably went away because of Tyson training for the fight. Yeah, the fight. That's what they um, said. So I, well, I also think this is something you don't you you wait for an audience for this one. Yeah. As much as mm-hmm. I see different reports where they say they're waiting for an audience to do this, there are certain things where I'm like, no, we could do that now and it's fine. This is definitely this, oh, one yeah. I would love a rabid audience for that. 
Completely agree. All right, Chris Jericho, congratulations on 30 years in the business. Let's head on over to the Rant and Rave Battle Royale. Last week, I didn't mess up on Rant and Rave. I'm going to try it again this week. Uh, the rotation for this week is Bagur. That's Blake, Greg, Roy. So, Blake, why don't you go ahead and get us started off with our first rant of the week. My first rant of the week is going to SmackDown. And it's going to be Bailey getting herself DQ'd so that we can see this match all over again. We predicted this from the start. Unfortunately, I feel as if this feud has really died down for me. And it was one of my favorite things all year. The connection between Bailey and Sasha. We knew we were going to eventually get this turn. We wanted to see how it was going to be done. We thought it was a WrestleMania-esque moment. And instead, we got it on a SmackDown just to get a non-finish to set up for the original match of Hell in a Cell. I honestly thought this was going to be one of those situations where um, Bailey was going to lose and Sasha was going to take the belt and then Bailey was going to go to Raw or something. Um, but I agree. They ruined it. They ruined it. They, it. they took too long to push the button on their breakup and now it's just... That was the worst thing they could have done. I don't even think they took too long to push the button on the breakup. I think everything that he did to set these two up was fine. In fact, there were times where I even considered we may never even get to see it. And that was one of the best parts. It was every week after the breakup. Yeah, it's been terrible since the breakup. The Sasha promos have been really bad, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Have soured me on the feud. Just that in general, the promos. And it just feels like they put in all this work for this. And the result we're getting just isn't up to part of what we, we, we went through and the enjoyment we got out of these two together. Number one rant for the week, Greg. So my number one is going to kind of go along the lines of Blake's, but it's going to go to Raw. And it's going to be Braun Strowman versus Keith Lee. You have Braun show up backstage pissed off that Raw Underground isn't happening, demands a match. They then say this match is unsanctioned. So you're like, okay. Keith Lee comes out and you're like, all right, let's see where this goes. And then it's a disqualification. How do you have a disqualification in an unsanctioned match? Well, count out. But count either out, way, yeah. completely well, agree you with you. what I'm saying. Like a double count It's out. an exhibition match. What the? F- I don't even have words. How do you have Strowman show up pissed off and this is what you do? Here's the word for it, Greg. Pathetic. You're right. This definitely it's so bad for me was the worst part of the week. Yes, and here's why. And it's it's the conditioning of the WWE. Braun Strowman says his stuff, uh, which first of all, I don't know why they insist on like we have the draft coming up. They got people switching brands already. They got people on different brands. Like you couldn't help yourself. Just save it for the two damn draft days and let that event feel more special. Um, but, you know, whatever. He sets up the match. Uh, Keith Lee comes up afterwards. He says, I'll take that. Out loud, I said, fuck. Yes. I said, all right. So did yes. I. I'm telling you, within 30 seconds, I sat there quietly because it hit me. I was like, no, of course, nothing comes of this. So now, not on, on top of that, not <laughs> I'm getting very agitated That's what I was just doing. trying to explain it. Not only did we get that. But it's just the conditioning, like I said, for me to already feel disappointed before a match even happens and you prove me right at the end of it, pathetic. That's the word that I would choose. And it's it's going to be great because, Blake, your number one rant, Sasha Bailey, 
Uh, your number one rant, Greg, Keith Lee, Braun Strowman. My number one rant for the week, Kushida versus Champa over on NXT, where Kushida looked red hot coming out of the pay-per-view. Uh, Champa, I mean, he doesn't need any help. This was another thing where once once it started happening, I was talking to Antonio about it a little bit. I was excited because I'm like, mm, you know, I really love Kushida coming out of the pay-per-view. I couldn't imagine him really getting the win here. I was like, it's going to suck to see him lose. And then it hit me. Well, duh. It's just, and to even to the exact point of what's going to happen, I said it's Velveteen Dream. And that's exactly what happened. So we're, three, just, we're just talking about the match, right? Correct. Just, okay. That's, uh, that's three straight rants because of major matches just not having an end. And I agree. So uh, without getting into it, the match itself was an absolute rant to me. Um, I will add in, how do you how do you run in on a match and get your ass kicked? A dream is pathetic. <laughs> I was actually That's really the theme of this show, pathetic. I actually echo the same thoughts as Roy. I was excited to see this because I feel like it was a great moment for NXT to separate some stars. I feel like they've they've kind of tiptoed around the issue where they build certain people up and they never really put them together. And I, and I was going to credit NXT because it's rare that I see them do non-finishes like this. So I was actually going to say this week before this happened, I'm impressed with NXT and the fact that they can give me two stars in a match and find a way to give me an actual finish. And then they did it. And I was so disappointed in this that this was also near the top of my list of my rants. Man, and I hate, I, I hate that we come in and... To a degree, we say the same thing every week, but I wish it would just change. You look at these matches, Kushida Champa. You may say that's that's the weakest one there. You have, but but even then, Kushida and Champa. I mean, that's two people that they're pushing right now, so it's really not that weak. Keith Lee versus Braun. I mean, come on, that was right. great. And you said you set up the expectations of us. It's unsanctioned, and you end an unsanctioned match with a countout. What am I? What? So next time you see say unsanctioned match. You think I'm going to get excited for that when I just watched the last one count out? And the other thing is, we saw Keith Lee come into the Rumble and what he did with Brock, what he did with Braun there, and that built everybody because they haven't given us a match like that since then. And not to mention that almost every Keith Lee match so far has been some kind of a draw. And then lastly, Bailey and Sasha, a program that we have been building towards for months, two of their top stars, even they get the same treatment. I it, just wish it would stop. I do too. I think we nailed it. The these three rants were the exact three rants that needed to be on the first round. As far as on the rave side of things, yeah, let's get some. This right, is everybody. In, everybody, just take a breath. Let's let's let the rants go. <laughs> breathe in the rave, Blake. Some positivity, please. Yeah, this is an easy one for me. I think Roy's going to be a little sad that he he's not going to get to it, but I got to take it. It's the dog collar match for the TNT Championship. There is. No other option for a number one rave this week. Amazing. I A dog collar match. Do I need to say anything more? These two put on a spectacle. It was fantastic. Brody, I wasn't expecting Brody to lose, to be honest with you. Maybe it's just me. I, I just didn't see it. He's been so strong. And he beat the hell out of Cody in the first match. I thought this would be a much better match, but Cody would once again take the loss. They looked great. I I'm, I don't want to say too much because I know Roy wants to talk about this match, but this was number one for me by far. I had a discussion with Wingate and Antonio, two of our friends, prior to this match where I said, 
don't sleep on Cody for this one. They thought there was no way. I was like, he was he was clearly he is getting too cocky. He was being an asshole for a lot of his reign. I was like, there's no way Cody doesn't take this seriously. There's no way he's going to do the training. He's not going to get his ass beat in the in the first five seconds. It's not going to be a squash. I think Cody's going to take this seriously. He came out ripped to hell. Definitely, definitely has some more muscles, and he took care of business. And something great to AEW on this is a dull collar match. They, I've noticed they have a way of their presentation that they take something that otherwise, to me, feels mostly carny. Uh, that's that's a word that we hear in wrestling a lot, carny. It just feels, it doesn't feel legitimate. It feels a little silly. But they presented it in a way that was very respectful. Respectful. It felt like an homage to, to the history of wrestling. I don't know. It's just, it takes a, what should be a silly concept and it teaches me to respect it. It's conditioning me to respect it. And I love that. You're right, Blake. <laughs> this is definitely my number one, uh, Cody versus Brody. I had been waiting for it for all, for all week. Um, all seven days. I was waiting for it. It delivered. I thought it was great. Um, I was a little surprised Brody didn't kick out of the crossroads. I thought he might have a little bit more in him than that, but I mean, I can't blame him. the The abuse that he took, and then the crossroads onto the chain. Good lord! Well, and he I did kick out of one crossroads too. That's so true, that was the true. second one, and it was on the chain. So I, I felt like that was a fitting end. I so I agree with that. When he wraps the chains around his face, and then he started punching those chains into his face, I was like, "Oh damn!" And then the way Brody was like kind of getting away from it, and he picked him up at the crossroads. I honestly thought he was going to get out of the crossroads. Then when he hit it with the chains around his face, I was like, "There's no way he gets out of this." There's there's another thing I'm going to take out of this, and I'm going to say it right now. WWE has to be watching this and wondering how much they fucked up. Oh, no. With, no way. They don't no, care. No, I don't think they yeah. care. No way. With Cody or Bro, Brody, though. Brody. No way. No you way. Think so? Vince, the way Vince... I, uh, speculation, we don't know Vince, but everything that I've heard and seen about Vince... I don't think that thought even crosses his mind. He probably thinks they're silly for even showcasing these two. And to be honest, while Brody is killing it, and he's one of my absolute favorite, it is a situation where you could take any big guy and probably give them the same role, you think? I think Brody's just... Pull- Maybe it's just because I wanted to see that singles yeah. kind of thing with him. I, I don't know. I think Brody's killing it, honestly. Um, also, was there any way that we were ever going to get through this match without Cody bleeding? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, who did I say it to? It was he had maybe, to bleed first. It was maybe Antonio when I said, "How much blood does Cody lose tonight?" <laughs> you just know he can't help himself. He can't help himself. And, that, and while I was watching, as soon as he got busted open, I was like, "Yeah, saw that coming." All right, Greg, what do you got for your rave this week? All right, my number one rave, and the reason behind this number one rave, it may not actually be number one worthy, but because I say every week when I hear a false count anywhere match, I say. Don't tell me it is a false count anywhere and you don't even go backstage or you don't end it anywhere but in the ring. It is going to go to Sheamus and to Big E for actually ending a false count anywhere match anywhere but in the damn ring. Uh, The match itself I thought was really good. Um, It had a couple spots. Uh, One of the ones I disagree with just because we've watched it happen on Raw multiple times is tying Big E up in the ropes and hitting him with a kendo stick. I don't know what their fascination with kendo sticks lately is. I mean, I love a kendo stick, but it's starting to get a little old. Um, but just the the duct taping Sheamus' uh, feet together, thought that was pretty creative. We've seen stuff like that along the lines, but like 
that opened up, you know, him to some some hits. What the hell was Seamus going for down there? I don't know. I don't know why he was under there for so long. I think he was looking for Hornswoggle. Um, but then, like, they go backstage. There was one point where Big E threw Seamus onto the, the car hood. And because Seamus was so sweaty, he actually slid up the hood and broke the windshield. Like, I don't think that was supposed to happen. But I thought that was a pretty cool spot. There was another time where he throws him on the hood. And Seamus couldn't catch himself because he's so sweaty. And he just slides off and smacks the ground. Um, a typical kind of ending with going through a table or something like that. But I'm just happy this ended anywhere but in the ring because you told me it was Falls Count anywhere. Match was brutal as hell. This was actually my yeah. second rave of the week, so we're we're on par with that. And the broom shots. I don't know if you recall Ooh, the match. Yeah. They were pretty yeah. stiff. These two were really beat up. This was a great match. Devil's Advocate. The only thing that bothered me here was the white noise through the windshield. If we're going to do such a spot, I don't know why we did the exact same one that we've already did. I probably would have used that for maybe something a little different. Why not? Somebody's going through the windshield. Why not do something different than what we just did well, a few and, weeks ago? And you figured the last time it happened, Big E was out of commission for a week. But yet he's been able to get back up and win this match. After already being beat to hell for the most part. Yeah, it's one of those situations where you look back and ignore it. That didn't bother me because I think it's such an impactful spot. Oh, I was yeah, okay sure. with seeing it again. One of my favorite moments was Seamus making pancakes out of Big E. I oh thought that God. was great. Oh, you need some egg. E, when Big E opens the apron for the first time, there's just bootios. Bootios. That was great, too. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know what? And we forgot to mention Darn Cody versus Brody. Another another big moment for me was Arn Anderson hitting the spine buster. Yes, that was I awesome. I enjoyed that. I, I also thought in that match was, was hilarious was, I, I can't recall the guy's name. There's too many members of the Dark Order, if you ask Greg. And... <laughs> He starts off by getting hit. He's at the top of the apron. Then he pulls out a chair for this man. It tells him to sit. It tells him to sit. Cody kicks the shit out of him. I thought that was hilarious. And then he finally, he's like, get out of here. Brody was so pissed. All right. My number one rave for the week is going to go to Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax over on Raw. And it's for their total domination over the Riot Squad. Um, big Liv Morgan fan. Hate Ruby Riot. I was happy that Ruby Riot took most of the beating here. We've wanted to see Liv as a single star, and I mean, really, like I said, Ruby definitely took the brunt of the beating, so Liv still kind of looked somewhat good. But man, like, Nia and Shayna are just killing it. Like, they're unstoppable. They're absolute bullies. Uh, Ruby really looked like she was dying at a certain point, and to stop the count, all Nia does is just grab Liv and just hold her. There's such a big size difference there was no effort really needed. She just grabbed her and held her in the corner. I thought it was amazing. All right. Back on the rant side of things. My next rant's going to go to SmackDown again. Man, SmackDown has been one of my favorite shows the past few weeks, but I'm hitting them up hard this week, and it's going to be Lars Sullivan. When that music hit, I forgot all about Lars, if I'm being completely honest. And I was wondering, what the hell is this? And then Lars came out, and I remembered all the brutal torture I why went through. Won't they, why why they, won't they give up? Yeah, I don't understand. I, I don't understand it either. The freak show, whatever you want to call it, it is not entertaining. I have seen this played out multiple times. I have never been a fan of Lars Sullivan. And I can't believe I'm going to have to watch this guy every week. Yeah, I am very upset about that. I felt the same way. I don't understand why they won't let it go. It's 
I don't feel any interest. And when I look around at the roster and I see the alternatives, I just can't understand why Lars is what we're going with. I can't understand how you send out a guy like Lars Sullivan to destroy four or five different people. And one of them was Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle is the one you should be showcasing, yeah. not Lars Sullivan. What is your issue? No, oh, man. All right, Greg, what do you got? All right, so my next one is also going to go to SmackDown. And it's going to be the first couple draft picks. And the reason behind that is they made it a point for Corey Graves to let us know that if a champion is chosen to go to another show, that championship follows them to only keep the champions on the same exact shows with the very first couple draft picks. They didn't switch it up whatsoever. Um, Again, kind of like a don't tell me it's a falls count anywhere. Don't tell me the belts can go to a different show, but then keep them on the same show. What? This doesn't deserve a rant. No, that's annoying. I'm tired of WWE telling me something, but then why did you even have to tell me? It's something I could have figured out on my own, and if it didn't happen, it didn't happen. The real Why rant. Why did you make a point to say that? <laughs> All right, the real rant should have been that the first round was very predictable. That should be a real rant because really we got Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, and the only pick that switched shows was Seth Rollins, was which Seth Rollins, the yeah. three of us pretty much knew was going to happen and wanted anyway. So there was there was really nothing there that first round that surprised you or shocked you. Really, the draft. I'd like to talk about the draft with you guys, unless you have it as a Rana Rave, and if so, stop me now. We can talk about it. What do you got? It felt underwhelming to me, and I was so excited about it, but it really did. It it's felt underwhelming. They're not, they're just There's no reaction. Stephanie's just like, this person to hear. And it's not even giving like a minute to just be like, oh, well, this is this person's accolades when they were over on the other show or whatever, or this is why it was awesome for us to keep this person. It's just, and then the next pick, and then the next pick, and then, like, the people you would expect a backstage interview with is who you got the interviews with. It was nobody different. Um, So that if you're going to interview them, I think it would be better for them to come out when they were announced for their draft pick and have, you know... Dasha and everybody there. To so basically, like, just not enough fanfare. They didn't make enough event, uh, they, enough, yeah, enough they, of an they, event of it. Yeah. No, they didn't. It felt really rushed. I'm you not get through the round. To on there was only one moment that came out of it. I think we all know what that is, and I won't get into that because I'm sure we'll talk about it. All right. Yeah, well, <laughs> so it sounds like the draft in general maybe was a rant for you guys. That, that's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Right, I, if that's I, the case, then I'm going to throw in since since we're going as the draft is a rant. The Mysterio's following Seth. Well, no, because I'm going to talk about that. Yeah, I, there okay. were two points of this draft that were, were yeah. hit on, and I think we should save those. Oh, so now we, we save the draft, and then we... Okay. Anyway. You know you know what I mean. Right. All right. My, my next rant is going to go to Ember Moon on NXT. I was seeing, I was reading. You, what do you, what do you got, Blake? You want to I, I just want to hear what you got here because I like Ember Moon a lot, and I'm happy she's there. So, what are you upset about? All right, first of all, she's had her chance. I'm not interested. She already went to Raw. She already got called up. She couldn't handle it. Ring the bell, and ladies I've and gentlemen. It's time for rant versus rave. So, Greg, here's what I'm saying. She's already had her chance. She's already been called up to the main roster. She couldn't handle it. She lost, and now she's crawling back home 
just like Finn Balor, to try and find some success in the minor leagues. And I'm not interested in that story. Listen, I liked Ember Moon. I was a fan of Ember Moon, and I may even still consider myself one. It's not going to be... You may see me. You may see me rave about Ember Moon. It's not going to be as bad as some of the the other ones that I don't like. But she did not look good on Wednesday. She did not look good. I don't think she spoke well, and I don't think that she wrestled to the best of her abilities. Or, you know, I, I and I saw a lot of people that were talking about the match saying like she hasn't missed a step. Even commentary kept saying that, and I was like, am I seeing something different? I'm not trying to be. Rude, and certainly she's doing way better than I ever could. But I am not seeing a, I'm not seeing Ember Moon even at her own personal best right now. So yeah, Wednesday it was it was a run for me. So I actually completely agree about the promo and the wrestling. I do, but I'm very excited for Ember Moon, and here's why: NXT's women division has been very boring for me. I have had to go through Xia not respecting and shaking hands and being upset for three weeks. I've got Shotzi Blackheart who wants me to go into the ball pit. I've got Candice LeRae who I'm not really behind. I lost Tegan Knox, who I enjoyed. And Dakota Kai has been ruined from the start ever since she was turned heel. Ember Moon is somebody I really enjoyed in her first run in NXT. And she never got the job done. She was always close, but she had to go against Asuka, who nobody could beat, and nobody ever did beat in NXT. Because nobody was ready for her. They, they weren't ready for her. She got called up, and she just wasn't. She was misused. And that was the expectation for me all along when Ember Moon was called up. I'm excited about her being here. I do agree with Roy that she does seem a little out of shape, and her promo could do some work, but she's also been out of action for a very long time. I believe they said either 12 or 14 months. 14 months. And an Achilles injury is very serious and hard to come back from. So I'm going to give her a little bit of time, even though technically she probably should have had that time before she was on live TV. And I think that would have probably been your next point. But I'm excited about Ember Moon being back in NXT, and I think it is much needed. So both parts I agree with. I agree with the whole... She had her chance. She went up the roll, didn't do anything. The promo, I thought, was actually horrendous. He always starts with whoever he's going to disagree with, and so I have a few things that I need to say. So hold on. Okay. So I agree with Blake that if somebody needed a, a fresh start, it was it was her. She needed to be back on NXT. I would have felt absolutely nothing for her if she came back to Raw or SmackDown or was like drafted. Greg, Greg, Greg. No, because we're not ranting and raving about the damn pay-per-view where she came back. Hold on. Okay. Give me a second. God damn it, Greg. Because it is a rant. Thank you. Because we're going solely off of NXT. On Wednesday night. Exactly. And she was not good in the match and her promo sucked. That's why I'm going with you. Blake's points were that she came back, this and that, and I was just agreeing with that. Fuck Blake's points. But sticking on NXT specifically, she was not good on the mic, and the match, she wasn't great in the match. So it's it's a rant. I'm not going to argue that, but would you rather see what you saw from her Wednesday or see Zia Lee versus Dakota Kai? I'm happy that she's there, but I'm not going to say that you did something good just because I'm happy that you're there. Her performance, it, it was a rant. And I, I'm still able to be happy that she's there and look forward to more and to see her improve. But if I'm just looking at her performance and you're asking me how was it, I'm saying not good. And that's and that's what I'm saying when I agree with you with a lot of things. Because, yes, 
The women's division has lacked a lot lately, so they needed her. Yes, I'm excited to see her back, but solely on what happened this Wednesday, it, it did nothing for me with her. I don't think it was great. See, I think you guys missed the mark. The real rant was Rhea Ripley involving herself once again in the title picture when I was excited to see somebody new. And here she comes to tug Rhea with her jacket. Oh, yeah, by the way, I should have my championship match and had to get involved once again. That's the real problem, not Ember Moon. All right, (laughs) go back over to Blake on on, uh, Rave. What do you got, Blake? All right, my next Rave for this week is going to NXT. I laughed so hard at this moment. It was the the hardest I've laughed at wrestling in a while. And it's going to be Drake Maverick bringing some character out of Killian Dane and the theme song that they used for this, which sounds a lot like ours, if I'm being honest, which made it even more hilarious because of the whistling. I thought this was great. I have hated (laughs) Killian Dane. We have told Killian Dane, come on, bro. Come on, man. We're done with you. I actually feel something for Killian Dane now. He is bringing some character out of him, and I can't wait to see what they do with these two. I'm not there yet. It hasn't clicked fully, but it was a step in the right direction for me, and I'd, I will agree with you that that was a rave this week. All right, so my next uh, rave, and it kind of follows the lines of seeing where they're going to go with this, and I'm interested in what kind of a storyline we get. That's, that's Ali being the leader of Retribution. We've... We've kind of speculated on that. Um, there was multiple people thrown up in the air. I actually didn't even think we were going to get a leader out of this. I like the way they did it because Ali had balls this week. Fuck, it's hard to not to challenge you on this. He had balls to go up to MVP and say, I'm going to the ring alone. But because he knew that it, he didn't need Apollo. He didn't need Ricochet because he had Retribution. And he called him out earlier. He was like, what? You lost because of, of a logo that popped up on a screen? That's not an excuse. Then he is the leader of Retribution. Mainly, My main takeaway from this is I want to know why Ali chose all this. And I want to see if he's actually a really good fit to be their leader. I enjoy it this. I like a big interest in Ali. Yeah, I love Mustafa Ali. He's a wrestler that I like inside and outside of the ring. I'm very happy for him to be the focal point of something that WWE believes is a big angle. Yeah. Um, I will say they, I think that they showed too much of their hand too many times throughout the night. It, it did feel obvious that it was coming. Um, especially when he stepped outside of the ring out loud, I said, slow, dramatic turn, reveal redemption. And Colby was watching. He's like, wow, that's exactly what happened. I was like, yeah, man, like, there's, there are so many cooler ways to go about it. I'm upset that they just went very uh, play by the number. They played it very safe. They just did exactly what they do. Uh, but it does make me excited for the future of Mustafa. So, honestly, I didn't – maybe it was just me. I didn't see it coming. Like, I knew – I had a feeling when they threw Ali into the mix last week. There was part of me that was like, do they just need a third guy because of whatever injury has happened to uh, Alexander? Or are they throwing him in here because he is, you know, with retribution? I think they should have gave us a couple extra weeks, yes, of Ali with the other two. Um, but I enjoyed the part where, like, and and it still threw me off because I wasn't expecting it. Where Ali's looking confused too, and they're like, 
are you going to help us right now? Like, can we put this aside? Are you going to help us? And he's, he was like, fuck it. I'm in. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. He's going to help them. And then, it's, but as soon as he got out of the ring and stepped up to him, yeah. like they would have just ate him up alive right now. He's got something to do with this. I still, I wouldn't say it was a swerve because once he did get out of the ring, I was like, okay, this is what ha- what's happening. I did like the setup for the most part. <sighs> It wasn't a rave for me. I didn't go against it because I agree that Ollie was is a nice choice and and a little refreshing. The reason why I'm a little disappointed is the hacker angle. The missed opportunity yeah. here. You could have used what he was rumored to be the hacker. You could have used all of that those resources you put together for the hacker angle and tied it into this and it would have been so much better. Now it just feels kind of random. I, we don't know. We may get something. Where no, they here's our reason. No, he, no he, yeah, but it's too late now. That's been gone for so long. Yeah. They can't recover from that. And and you know what the reasoning is going to be. We never got a shot. They're going to show Ali in the money in the bank where Brock Lesnar threw him up. Oh, well, we're disrespected. I don't care. Like, that doesn't interest me. I, I would have liked a, a better reason, you know, than just... Oh, we were overlooked, and now here's our opportunity to be retribution. Yeah, that's a big get part revenge. of false flag stuff. We see that shit all the time. So while it, it's a rave for this week because I think Ali's a nice choice, I do think they missed the mark and they had a missed opportunity here. All right, and the last rave of the evening, I'm giving to. Wait, why did you're, Greg? Because you're back around, aren't you? We only did two of each. It's Roy. Yeah, but he said the final rave of the evening. We still got another round of raves. Yeah, we got another round. Yeah. Uh, Damn it, Roy. He couldn't get two in a row. He was getting close. He was getting close. I'm going to start keeping tally, see how many weeks in a row I can get. Wherever the hell we are, um, it's going to Kevin Owens versus The Fiend over on SmackDown. Thank you. Uh, The match. Love to hear it. Kevin Owens, best wrestler there is, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> so I've been very outspoken on how I feel about Kevin. In the world of wrestling, he's one of the absolute worst. He just is. He, is. he cannot. He cannot win. Um, and last week, I ran it because SmackDown started bringing Kevin Owens over. And I'm like, you know, maybe you know they're trying negotiations. They're trying to see how it fits. They're getting ahead of it. And I just thought it was stupid because I can't understand why. Either brand would be interested in drafting Kevin Owens. And then it it really clicked. It made a lot more sense. And kudos to Fox because it's genius. Who did they instantly put him with? The Fiend. Right. And what I'm thinking is that they're banking on that change that we've seen Fiend be able to invoke in some other wrestlers. And they're hoping to bring out that prize fighter, Kevin Owens which would be a huge sleeper get for them, I believe. Yeah, that was my hope all along. When they when we started to see the matchup between The Fiend and KO take place, I need that change. I yeah. absolutely 100% need that change. And this was a great start. I thought this was Holding a fantastic Holding that mandible match. claw through the stunner was one of my favorite that spots. That was so great. I, I had that down. We enjoyed the Sister Abigail where he just did it just planted his face on the table. I was a little sad that they botched the pop-up powerbomb spot because that would have been a really cool spot, but it was it still worked. Yeah. It sucks that it didn't work the way they That's wanted it to, but that match was it was phenomenal. And back on to our final rants. My last rant is going to go to AEW and it's something I've noticed for a few weeks and I'm going to call them out on it this week. It's the fact that it seems like every week 
there's only one women's match on Dynamite, and it's always one of their stars against a jobber every week. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually tempted to go back and look and see how often this happens because we've it's, talked about this before with how it little continues time to happen put into that division. It's it sad. Like. It's sad that they only get one match. What's even more sad about it is it's the same concept yes. every week. Yes, it's not even like big profile matches. No, it's just here's someone we want to showcase against a jobber. We'll see you next so, week. Speaking of that. When they told me that Swerve was number two in the women's division, my first thought Swerve? was... Swerve. Swerve. Wow. Swole. Swerve. Swerve. Swole was number two in the women's division. My first thought was, is yeah, because they get jobbers all the time. Like, anyway, so my final uh, rant of the week. I don't know whether to give this... To the wrestler himself, because I feel like I have been doing that every single week, or I'm just going to give this to NXT Creative this week. I think it's going to go to NXT Creative for this specific part. And that is Austin Theory versus a jobber and winning only to lose to Dexter Loomis. Why? Why are we doing this? That's all I have. Anybody give me an answer as to why this is happening? This is just what we do. It was a rant as soon as he faced a jobber. But then when Dexter Lewis came out and this became a match, why? <laughs> Look, th- these people who are on TV every week, they are so talented. They are so far above right. my talent level. But exactly. I did laugh when the jobber was stuck on the ropes against Theory. I was like, this is just, this is exactly how this should go. Because I don't care about this match. And now I'm getting some comedy out of it. I felt bad for the guy, but it was just one of those moments where it, it was just fitting. It just That's the match it needed to happen on. Where he's he, the man was stuck on the ropes. And Theory just lifts him off and finishes the match. Like That's probably the best thing you could do here to just save this and get it over with. Alright, my turn for rants. And it's going to AEW. And it's going to JR. He is an asshole. He knows damn well his name is Ricky Starks. Thank you. Not Ricky, Ricky goddamn Stags. Stags. <laughs> and let... he knows damn well what oh his name is. God. JR gets my rant. Rick, I, I heard Skaggs. Is that correct? Ricky I thought Skaggs? I said Stags. Either way, it was incorrect. Yeah, and he knows not, it. Not a good start to the show for JR. Oh, man. All right. Our, our final rave, correct? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Yes. Our final. <laughs> the whole system is broken down for me. According to my notes, we're done. I think what you did was... Uh, uh, yeah, I switched the... Rant over. Yes, I switched rant and rave. So Greg sees exactly what I did yeah. on my All notes. Right. Uh, I wrote rave first and rant. And at some point as I'm tallying off, I'm like, how did we get through so many... Because you're used to going left to right yes. like you would read. I am also tallying, so I had the score for us. Oh, you have the 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 overall score? Yes. Really? Well, it'll be interesting to see... <laughs> Compare our notes. <laughs> exactly. It'll be interesting to see Lovely. if we have the same winner at the end. <laughs> Happy 52nd episode, yeah. guys. All right. Glad we're nailing it one year in. My final rave for this week is going to AW, and it's going to be Brian Cage against Will Hobbs. Yes. I don't know what this championship is, this FTW championship. I'm willing to give it a chance at this point because he... When he first, if they're gonna defend it, I'm gonna be okay. Every now and then, yeah, 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 I don't need it defended all the time. I still don't know what it is or how I feel about it, but this match is really well done. I my favorite thing out of this, to be honest with you, is the story about Will Hobbs. Thank you. Um, hit the fact that 
his brother had passed. He wanted to be a tag team with his brother, and his brother passed by shielding him from gunfire. I thought like that was one of the most incredible stories I've ever I heard. I got goosebumps when I heard yeah. that. I literally did. And um, I got him now. And emotional, like, it. even thinking yeah. about that and, and how important that has to be to him, how great it is that he's able to be showcased in something like this. And I'm really rooting for him because of it. So I I looked at Kim and I, I said flat out, this is why AEW is better than WWE. For this reason. Wow, that was very biased. For this reason. <laughs> because WWE would have taken this and made this guy relive every second of that in their storyline. I don't know if that's fair. I think they would have. But for Taz to be the character he is and go, I fully respect this guy because his story is, you know, not use that against him whatsoever, I thought was a great feel-good moment. Um, not just that, the match was great. The The match was really good. Um, AEW is doing really good with putting two really big guys in the ring and showcasing both of their abilities and not just having squashes. Um, my final rave and... It might be a little biased. It's going to SmackDown, and it's the return of both Kofi and Xavier. And the reason, the biggest reason being, we didn't know if Xavier was going to wrestle again. We didn't have any idea that I tried to tell you. We didn't have any idea that at least I didn't like, and I didn't expect it to be like we knew Kofi was only going to be gone for about a month or two. That was something that came out and was said. Whether it was an actual injury or he was just taking time, I don't know, but. He returned with Xavier. The other part about it was, is they still gave Big E his singles match. And he wasn't at outside with them during this match. They still have their New Day personas, but they weren't all three together. But I love the fact that Xavier is able to come back and wrestle again. Yeah, very impressive. And he had the same injury as Ember with the Achilles, correct? No, dude. He had the same injury as uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, I guess that a, messed a little up bit where more. He, like, it was his was, Achilles, though, right? It was it was the ACL and everything. Like he had a there mm, was a point okay. where just like Bridgewater and just like uh uh Alex Smith or is it Alex Smith? Uh, we're we're digging but too anyway, far. In. Where the, the I thought commentary so said bad. Achilles. Well, the injury maybe was, I was so bad that wrong. they had actually talked about possible amputation or, or removing partial muscle. That's crazy. because of how bad it was and stuff. It's definitely great to have him back. Yes. And then where are we? Whose turn is it? You have on your final, final rave. All right. Well, thank you, Greg. I mean, I cannot <laughs> believe that you made it out of that without using like three or five different things and left me with the split up of, of New Day as being able to be my rave. Um, so, I don't know. I had a feeling right away they were winning the tag titles and I laughed at it because even though there's part of me that's like, eh, for Shinsuke and Cesaro, they're constantly find themselves in these situations, unfortunately. Um, it was just so funny because I was like, yeah, that's how it should be. Like, New Day, they come in, they say, give us a title shot, and they just win it. That's how good they are. No problems whatsoever. Um, the moment where Xavier keeps saying, where's Big E's name? Why aren't you saying Big E there? And the realization of what Stephanie just mm -hmm. did, what the networks are doing, and... We've talked about needing some kind of, or maybe wanting some kind of split for them. Not because we don't like them or anything like that, just to see the next chapter, the next evolution for them individually. And this was a great way to go about it. It was emotional. We we get through it without a turn, hopefully. Now we have a tag match next week that I'm really hoping we can get through this and everybody can be friends. <laughs> and, you know, everybody gets through it civilly. 
I had mentioned earlier that there are very rare moments where I'm heartbroken. And when we were discussing the Festival of Friendship, this is a moment where I was heartbroken. I thought I was ready for this Big E singles run and for a New Day split and for them to do it the exact way that they did it. And then I saw Big E's face when he realizes that yeah. he's going to Raw and he's not going to be, or he's staying on SmackDown yep. and they're going to Raw. And the fact and that broke, they did it back-to-back picks. It broke my heart because they just got together. And I felt the way I was supposed to feel. I was so excited to see them there. They're so hyped. We're back together. It's been so long. And then they're drafted to different shows that same and night. Here's the best part about it. We we all agreed that there's a way to split up this group without there being animosity and hate between them. This is how it happens. They there's hopefully. no way. Hopefully. hopefully. We still have next week. This is true. Hopefully, because the way that this goes is that how can they be upset with each other when it wasn't their fault that they had to go separate ways? And I will give kudos to WWE for that because this is something we asked for and this was the way to pull it off for now. Um, I'm assuming Raw Tag Team titles go to SmackDown on, on Monday. Street Profits are probably coming. To That's what I'm saying. Smackdown. Street Profits are going to go to and SmackDown. And I like that. I think they belong somewhere <laughs> different. That too. Something fresh for them. Yeah, there's nothing left on Raw. They've They've done They've it all. They've beaten every team they have. They've beat. Uh, They've beaten the same team thirty-two times. Yes, yes. That's what I was going to allude to. <laughs> That's all we got left. All right, and Blake, I know you're not hosting, but where are we at? <laughs> That's that it. We're on honorable mentions. Really? That was it. Yep. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, so you get the first honorable mentions. All right, uh, for rant, the twenty-four-seven championship. Always. Even though it deserves to be higher on the list, I did not want to talk about it again. <laughs> I just continue to say the production value just goes down, down, down on these things. And it really, really annoys me. This is the kind of thing, this, this next thing is the kind of thing that instantly takes me out of wrestling. Seth gets drafted to SmackDown and he does his interview. I'm happy to be away from the Rey Mysterio family. Why, Seth? Do you not understand how the draft works? In no way should you be, you should have said, hopefully they don't get drafted. But you don't want to, you don't. Write it that way because you want it to be a surprise later. But it's not a surprise later. Yep. And it just makes Seth look stupid and in the moment. The other thing is, and because I, I'm just going to touch on it because I had mentioned it when we were saying that the draft gets a rant. Um, when I said Mysterios to SmackDown, it was more so the comment from Dominic going, We're just going to kick his ass over here. Yes. You haven't they kicked won't his let ass it go. Yet. You haven't kicked his ass Ray yet. and Dominic were both plotting to go after Seth again. The saddest part of all this was... Leave the man alone. I had made it a rave that Seth Rollins went to SmackDown. So did I. And I said, there's so many possibilities for Seth here. And then they brought the Mysterious over and I was like, well, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got for rant. Alright, so I the only other rant that I had was... Omega needs to get better with a mic. Um, that interview... It was fine in the beginning. Then he ended stumbling over his words a little bit. And it was just, I don't get any feeling out of his interviews or his, anything he does on the mic. Like it feels very monotone. And the fact that he had to consistently, and I get the situation, but there's seven other men in this. And I get that we're getting this storyline. I'm sure it's going to come down to Hangman and Omega but then again, AEW has thrown us swerves before. But you you constantly mentioned Hangman 
but you had to try to do it in multiple ways that you still screwed up saying it. He couldn't get out, I don't care if it's a cowboy, I don't care if it's this, I don't care. But I got no feeling from it. That was only that was my only rant left. All right, I've got a few. How many times do I need to see poor Lana go through a table? <laughs> 32 <laughs> times. Uh, Alistair Black was with this fucking guy. He needs to stop. He needs to stop. At least he didn't have an eye patch this week. I, I need him to go back to his room. And yes, wait for someone to knock on room. that door. Knock, and hopefully no one ever comes and knocks. I, I am so frustrated with that guy. I'm waiting for the moment that R-Truth accidentally busts through his door and Alistair becomes 24-7 champion. I have a confession to make. I'm not really enjoying the FTR title reign so far. I'd have to agree with that. Uh, Hybrid 2 botches a move from the top rope. That, that hurt the match a little bit. I'm not even saying it was a bad match. It just hasn't worked for me yet, and I hope it does eventually. I see why they're on uh, Dark. And that's all I got for rants. For Rave, the only honorable mention I have, very small one. I just enjoyed seeing Adam Pearce and Stephanie backstage. Two of my favorite characters. I love that they're really leaning in to Adam Pearce being an on-screen personality. I've been vocal about how much I enjoy him. So just seeing the two interacting was a lot of fun. Adam Pearce, baby! Postman Pearce. All right. I actually have a couple... um, so I won't go too in-depth with most of them. Uh, one that I will go a little bit in-depth with is the Orton opener. I enjoyed how he gave... Because we couldn't see anything happen. So I love how he painted the picture of how everything went down. The whole, like, I went in. Big Show was standing there just swinging because he couldn't see anything. I did this to him. Like, all of that I thought was really cool the way that they did it. Like, said that he punted uh, Shawn Michaels again. Just gave us a picture of everything that was happening. And then... Showed us where they were positioned when the lights came back on, and you can visually think yeah. Orton's doing this. I thought that was very good. That was a cool thing. Um, the, the Firefly Funhouse again. The just another sing along. Friends. Friends. <laughs> Fucking Ramblin' Rabbit is dead again. Um, Kushida. I'm loving this just persona from him now. Um. That's why I said I didn't want to get too in-depth with it. I didn't actually use it as a rave because I had others I felt were higher. But I'm I'm enjoying Kushida. And like Blake said, I hope this is a push of the next generation that we're getting as the guys that were Gargano, Champa, stuff like that. Um, You're getting some more Kushida and Dream, baby. Seth the SmackDown was on it. And my last one was AJ to Roll. I did not like AJ going to Raw. Really? I think AJ can go anywhere. It doesn't I really matter. Yeah, I mean, I love AJ, but, but we just I, got him on SmackDown. Bro, yeah, I use... need him out of the intercontinental picture. That's the thing. <laughs> well, you can do that and keep him on SmackDown. One thing I forgot was the Murphy and Seth stuff over on Raw. I did enjoy that also. Yeah. All right. That was going to be my first one. I And my thoughts were Murphy and Rollins should be a fun feud. Can we finally get more out of Murphy? Now I don't know. What happens there? Does he follow the rest of them to SmackDown? Does Probably. this whole thing carry over there? All the work they put into him and Aaliyah, I would assume he does. I, I would love to see a Murphy push. Would yes. love it. So I, I want to see what comes out of this. Uh, Johnny Gargano's comments about Indy Hartwell after she sent him a new TV was funny to me. I, I didn't get him quote for quote, but essentially he he starts off by saying, yeah, she don't have much of a future here in NXT. He finds out the TV is from Indy and he goes, Oh, she's got a bright future in NXT. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, heel Gargano has not worked for me, but I'm starting to slowly come around to it. I I hope that continues because I really I used to love Gargano, 
And that's all I got. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not all I got. I cannot believe this was not talked about. And I almost missed it myself. But the credits at the end of AEW oh, to celebrate Jericho. Jericho's Jericho. 30 years. Hilarious. I've never seen anything like that. And it's there's one of those little things that AEW does that just make me laugh. And, and it was something I wasn't expecting. All right, we've got a real problem on our hands as far as scoring. Roy's got a weird score going on. I don't know if his is accurate. I know mine's definitely accurate, but... Because wow, I know mine's definitely accurate. <laughs> but it, it sets us up for a problem. Why? Because it is accurate. And I need to know, what was your favorite WWE show this week? My favorite WWE show this week, and by the way, Blake, I think mine may be 100% accurate <laughs> okay. as well. Uh, and Sorry that go... I had no faith in you at all. No, it's fine. It's Apologize. fine. I didn't have much faith in myself. Uh, I'm going to go with... You Raw really pissed me off with that Keith Lee Braun Strowman thing, man. And SmackDown at least had the draft to keep me going. I think I'm going to go with SmackDown. I'd have to go with SmackDown. I think it had better matches than Raw did. And as much as the draft wasn't necessarily what, what I expected, it did get me more excited for the show. Roy, I think you got your answer. All right. In last place, NXT. We match up there, Blake? Yep. Excellent. Uh, in third place, AEW. Your winner. Friday Night Smackdown!